need someone to help you, like a sponsor or someone with some experience in this fellowship, someone to help you figure out whether you have done any harm to that person, if you have what kind of amends would be appropriate for that person, and if you figure out what amends you could make, whether you should make of those amends or whether that harm would injure someone or others. So this is a very helpful analysis, analytical tool for you. It's very simple, but it's very helpful because people always worry, well, what kind of amends am I gonna make? Am I gonna to apologize to that so-and-so? The harm you have made is, as, as I said, not going to the police. For all you know, that's the harm. Uh, you know, people say, well, wouldn't that be more harmful? And my answer is, you know, if a child is about to jump off a cliff, not by accident, and you reach out and grab their hand and you break the hand, but keep them from jumping off the cliff, you're doing more good than harm in saving that child. And so it may be that the amends you make may be momentarily hurtful, but on the long run helpful. And you have to think about that. These are complex issues and are worthy of being discussed before you have, if you have any doubts, are worthy of being discussed with someone who also has experience making amends and just floating ideas back and forth to see what would be appropriate. And the last column is, are you ready to make the amends now, sometime or never? Um, and that's not from the big book. I mean, it's, you know, the rest you can sort of take from the big book. This is not from the big book, but it's very helpful. If you're ready to make amends now, you put a check mark or a tick under now. If you're ready to make them sometime, you put a check mark or a tick there, or never, you put the never a check mark or tick there. And everyone who's ever used these things know that once you do all the nows, then the sometimes move into the nows and the nevers move into the sometimes. And then you make the nows. And then the one that's the nevers that are now the sometimes move into the nows. Because as you make your amends, you feel better. And, you know, it, it's complex at times, but it comes down to such simple stuff. You do what you can to make up for what you've done. And if it won't harm, thank you. If it won't harm anyone, you, you, you make the amends quickly and easily. If you can't make the amends, at least you're willing to. And, and, you know, if the guy I gossip about many, many years ago ever came up to me and say, said, I hear that 30 years ago you gossip about me, uh, I'm ready. I know what I'll say. I'll say, yeah, I did. And I didn't want to tell you because I didn't think you knew. But let me tell you now that you know, this is what I've done to make up for that. And I also apologize to you. I had the opportunity. There was a, a next girlfriend I had. I didn't think I treated her well. But I hadn't talked to her uh, for 40 years, 50 years, 50 years. Um, I didn't have that many girlfriends, but I, I had this one. I, I didn't like how I treated her. Um, I felt that it would, I discussed it with various sponsors that making such an amends would be more harmful, could, could potentially be much more harmful than good. Remember me from 50 years ago? Sorry, I did this. Sorry, I did that. I decided it would not be worthwhile. It so happened that she discovered some letters I had written and, and wrote to me and asked if I wanted my letters back. Well, part of me sort of wanted to see what I had written because I fancied myself a good writer. I wasn't, but I fancied myself a good writer. But instead, I took this opportunity to write to her and say, and say those letters are written by an immature, self-centered uh, person who 
uh, who I hope I am no longer. You know, I, I hope no longer to be. And I don't think reading those letters would be of any value to me. And this gives me an opportunity to apologize to you for having been so immature, having been so self-centered, and to thank you for the lessons you have taught me. So I got an opportunity to apologize to her. Uh, but I'm not going to apologize to all kinds of people to whom I can't apologize. And then the big book ends, uh, ends with this, uh, the issue on amends. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. Uh, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. So servile and scraping is really the definition of Uriah Heep and Dickens's Charles, uh, David, uh, David Copperfield. In Dickens's David Copperfield, Uriah, I'm very humble. I'm very, very humble. I don't need to share screen, Amy. Thank you. I'm very humble. Um, am I not sharing my screen? I'm not sharing my screen. I do need to share my screen. So without being servile or scraping, right? On page 83, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. So this image of, you know, I'm very humble, I'm very humble, Uriah Heep, is exactly what they mean by servile and scraping. And there's a wonderful Jewish joke about this, um, which may or may not translate. But uh, imagine the, uh, the, uh, the little towns in, in, in Russia or Ukraine that, uh, that the Jews congregated in before the Holocaust, that it have you, uh, the feather on the roof uh, sort of shows, these little towns. And in this little town, there are very few Jews, but there are some, and there's a synagogue, a very small synagogue. And it is the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, or Yom, Yom Kippur, as some people pronounce it. And it's the Day of Atonement, it's the day that God judges us all. And we beg for atonement, we beg for, for forgiveness for our sins, and we fast. Some of us do, I, I don't, but we fast. And um, it was a very solemn, very solemn. It's the holiest of all holy days. And uh, in this little synagogue, the townspeople, the Jews have gathered, and they're saying the, the day-long prayers, very long service. And the rabbi gets up at one point, and he says, God, before you, I am nothing. I am nothing. And he falls on his hands and, he's, and he falls on his uh, stomach. He, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Then the richest man in town gets up. He says, God, before you, I am nothing. I am nothing. He falls on his face. I am nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. And then the town beggar gets up. He says, God, before you, I am nothing. I am nothing. He falls on his face. I am nothing. I am nothing. I am nothing. And the rich man leans over to the rabbi and whispers, look who thinks he's nothing. Now, some of you will get that and some of you won't. It's a very Jewish joke. Uh, uh, the, 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 the essence of the joke is that he's a, he is a nothing. So how can he be so important as to say he's nothing? You know, he's the town beggar. He's a nothing. Only the rich man and the rabbi have the right to say that they're nothing because they really are something, right? And that's the whole sort of image that the big book wants to dispel. We should not think these ways. We should be thinking in much better ways. Um, I want to now turn to the bottom of page 83 and the bottom of page 84. The bottom of page 83 
are the promises of spiritual awakening. And they say, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. Halfway through what? I think halfway through step nine. Here are the promises. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door at it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, spiritual experience, the sudden experience, sometimes slowly, spiritual awakening, the educational variety. They will always materialize if we work for them. We read those promises all over the place in OA. But I can tell you that's not what I joined away. I didn't join away to know the word serenity and, and no peace. Um, I joined for other reasons. I joined because I had a food addiction. And that's why everyone joins away. Otherwise, they join emotional anonymous, spiritual, spiritual, spiritualistic anonymous, uh, or whatever kind of anonymous. They come because of their overeating or compulsive eating issues. I just want to park that for a moment and just point out two things. One is we will not regret the past or wish to shut the door in it, bottom page 83. And the other is no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. On page 124 of the big book, they talk about being able to talk about our darkest past. They say our darkest past is the greatest possession with it, we can save the lives of others. And I think, as I said, maybe yesterday, my friends who have suffered horribly as children, as adults, in a way that I have not, have the ability to say to other people, I suffered and I don't eat over it. And that immediately gives meaning to a horrible, horrible time of their lives. It's not as if it's, it's a gift. It's no gift to have suffered as badly as they have suffered, but it is a way to transform pain into healing. And I just wanted to point that out uh, because that is the promise that the, that the program gives us. And that is the compensation for the pain that you have felt. You can say in a way I can't, Stop your whining. Stop your self-pity. Other people have suffered. I have suffered. I have had these things happen to me. And I don't eat over them because I have worked the steps. And I've got over that. And I no longer suffer. And the power of that is so much beyond what I can do. Because I don't have that personal experience. I can only repeat the experience of people I know who, to whom that has happened. But if you, it's happened to you personally, my goodness, the power of that and that transformation of pain into healing is, is something that this fellow, that these steps give us that, that um, 
uh, while not unique in the world, because there are all kinds of examples of people who have transmuted pain into, and, and suffering into healing, uh, it is certainly what this program promises us. But let me go back and say that that's not why I came into this program. I came into this program for the promises found on the bottom of page 84, which I would say, reading as I read the discussion of step 10, is clearly the promise of after step nine, as we are living in the world of the spirit. And here are these promises. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, even our binge foods. For by this time, sanity will have returned. This is the promise, come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So by the time we have finished step nine, and we're into the spiritual world described uh, by steps 10, 11, and 12, which I'll talk about tomorrow, we have sanity. We will seldom be interested in, in liquor in our binge foods. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. Why would I eat poison? I'm saying, I know that ice cream is poison for me. It's not poison for other people. It's poison for me. We we act sanely and normally. We will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor, towards our binge foods has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes, that is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We haven't even sworn off and said the problem has been removed. It doesn't exist for us. We're neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. And the next sentence I'll save for tomorrow. That is our experience. Now that's why I came to this fellowship. I came to be relieved from the bondage of food. I came to be able to, not just to lose weight, because I know I knew how to lose weight. You just stop eating stuff that has lots of calories in them and you stop overeating uh, whatever you eat. I came because I didn't want ever to be tempted to go back to what I used to be like, that slob of a person who ate and ate while other people had stopped eating, that person who coveted other people's food, that person who weighed so much that he couldn't get around and couldn't play with his children easily. You know, if I had been an undereater, that person who had no energy, that person who vomited or exercised to the point of exhaustion, uh, these are not, these are not, we are not, we, we, we want to be in this position of neutrality. And that's why I came. And not to acknowledge these promises. Some people call these the hidden promises or the step 10 promises is, is not to speak of them all the time for the benefit of, of the newcomer, benefit of the newcomer is to remove from the newcomer the real hope that the newcomer is looking for. You know, the fact that my friend Wally, who I introduced you to yesterday, once he got sober, ran a bartending school while sober. We knew a lot about it. He ran a bartending school. He never had a drink. He wasn't tempted by all the alcohol that was around. And there are all kinds of bartenders who are alcoholics. I'll make you bet there are overeaters who work in buffets. Well, not these days, but who used to work in buffets. You know, I could work as a chef. I'm, I don't think I'd be a very good one, but I, I mean, I could work in a, in a kitchen 
I don't eat what I can't eat. You know? So this miracle is, I don't, I don't feel proud about it. I did the steps and I got what was promised to me. It's a straight business transaction. I did what I did what I was told I should do and I recovered and I keep it on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's what I want to end on. I'll just end up reading the last sentence of that paragraph. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Tomorrow, starting at uh, uh, nine o'clock Eastern uh, Daylight Time, I will deal with step 10, 11, and 12, which are the steps which keep us in fit spiritual condition. And now it's 3.15, and if there are questions, I'm happy to answer them. And if there aren't, we can don't have any questions. All right. Hi, this is Mia. Uh, Lori, thank you so very much. This has been amazing. Um, so let's see, we have two people. Um, well, I see Amy, you have a question, and then followed by Carol Lee. Amy, you want to unmute hey. her? Thank you, Mia, and thank you, Lori. Um, my question is actually uh, about making restitution. I whether there's any like specific rule or formula for restitution owed for a long time, for instance, if I owe somebody, if I borrowed $300 from somebody 20 years ago, I once heard a big book thumper say that I take 10%, not compounded, so that would be $30 for every year, which would be 20 years, which would be $600, so I would owe them the original 300 but is there a formula is there a is there a something we have to do to make the restitution complete if well, it there, happened there, a long time ago? Well, I I personally would uh, do an actuary, ask an actuary, or ask someone who knows a lot about what inflation has happened and all that, what the true value of three hundred dollars is compounded with compounded interest. I that's what I would do personally, but there are other people who would just say I'd pay back the three hundred bucks, and I I think it's how you feel. You know, I personally, I, I personally would want to make sure that there was exact compensation and make a, a mistake on the on the generous side. That's what I would do. So the ten percent rule is probably a pretty good rule because it probably takes into account both inflation and interest. Okay, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Lori. Uh, next up, we have Carol Lee. You want to unmute and share, Carol Lee? Um, Lori, thank you so much. Just extraordinarily helpful and helpful. For helping us. I have a question about step five, like turning over the fourth step to the person. If And I don't know if I understood you correctly. If I understood you, the person who's writing it does four columns, resentments, the cause, um, affects my something or other, and you know, what are the character defects. But in turning it over to the person in step five, you only give them steps, I'm sorry, the columns one and four. That's my, my suggestion. Okay. Because my, my thought about step five is that it's so powerful is because you shared the dirty laundry in steps three, two and three. Otherwise, if you mention the person and it affects you, you know, the character defects of, of course, it would be everything would be ditto because the person who's hearing it doesn't know all the dirty laundry. And I would think, I would just question, is that as, I would just question that. <laughs> I, I have only one answer. You may be right. I haven't found it to be right. You know, I'll just give you an example. I, 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 I'll never forget the person, a woman who said to me, had her husband on the list. And she said, you know, there's that thing with the video, but this isn't about him. It's all about me. And I was thinking the video, 
what video, you know, and I, and, but it wasn't, I, it wasn't up to me to hear what had happened. You can, I, I mean, my imagination ran a little rampant, but um, uh, I don't know. And I do know that people uh, who have been, who have suffered trauma uh, and, and who put the abuser on the list of resentments, I think judging from my own experience, asking them to relive it in any way, shape or form is not, is not valuable. If they've done something bad to someone else, maybe it would be of some value for them to say, I harmed this person in this way. In other words, and because I do say to people, tell me who they are, who are the people on your list? And if they say, this is a person, I, this is an ex-boyfriend I cheated on, fine, that's dirty laundry, maybe in what you're talking about. And I, 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 would, I would welcome someone saying that. But this is a person I cheated on 25 times in this way with so and so and so and so and so and so and then this happened. But what he did to me and that's the end and this, I would say that's not what step four and five is about. It's to isolate your defects of character. So, but Carly, you may be right. And again, there's no instructions in the big book. So it's all interpretation. And, and it also really depends on the personality of the person hearing it and the person giving it, right? So when you sponsor, it may be better for you to hear it. And not better for you, but better for the person you're sponsoring because of the relationship you as an individual have with the sponsee as an individual. Whereas with me, it might be better not to because of the relationship I have with the sponsee. So I have no, I'm just giving you my suggestion and there's no right answer to that question. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Carolee. Thank you, Lori. Uh, Wendy, um, I see you have your hand raised. Do you want to unmute and ask your question? Thank you, Mia. Thank you, Lori. Um, I have two totally unrelated questions. Um, the, I guess I'll ask them at the same time. Um, and maybe you can remember the first one. Uh, I just want to see if you could repeat the arch information because I wrote down page 12 and then didn't my brain and hand didn't work together. Uh. Yeah, just a minute. I have, to, I have to look it up. Just a minute. <laughs> Here it is. Page 12, page 47, page 62, and page 75. So 12, 47, 62, and 75 are the building of the arch. Okay. And again, there is a really nice diagram that someone did that I posted on that website, oabigbook.info, of that arch. I, it's, it's not mine, but someone, someone did it, so I posted it. Great. Okay, second. Thank you. And the second question is uh, regarding amends um, that are unmakeable. So I know where the person is, who the person is. Um, and uh, by the time it, yeah, it was, it was a situation where I wasn't sure that I needed to make an amends. And by the time I was willing to make the amends, the person wanted no contact at all whatsoever. Um, so can you speak to what, um, what could be done in a situation like that? I'll give you a couple of options depending on the nature of the harm that was done. Obviously it would be more harmful to enter into that person's life if you're being asked not to enter into that person's life. That's obvious. Um, uh, although, I mean, it might be possible to say, uh, I am so sorry for what I've done. And uh, I, I understand you don't want any contact with me, but I want you to know that I feel bad about what I've done. That, that's a possibility. Secondly, uh, you're just ready to do it if they're ever ready to talk to you. And, you, and, and that, should, that can give you a sense of 
sort of freedom of saying, I'm ready to do it. They don't want it, but I'm ready. So you have freedom and, and, and you're, you're not constrained. And, you know, as what happened with the guy I made amends to who hated me, uh, after 10 years of my seeing him at various gatherings and being very loving towards him, warmed up, you know, so that's a possibility too. You can live a different life and, that, and, and, and not do the kind of thing that you did and say, those are my, that's my amends. I mean, you know, uh, you can speak to others and say, I'd love to, I wish I could talk to others who might know that person uh, and just say, uh, you know, I just want you to know that I did not do, I did not do a right thing by that person and I feel very bad about it. And uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to change. I, you know, I'm, I'm throwing out like 20 ideas and I, I would suggest that it's worthwhile talking to someone uh, just to bounce ideas off. One or two of them will stick, you know? And, and the other is if you really don't know, that's a step 10 for me. I would say you go on with everything else, you recover, you have these promises, and then it's time, step 10. If it's still bothering you after six months, it's a resentment, write it down. I don't know how to make amends to so-and-so. And then you'll figure out what to do. Thank Does that make sense? Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you, Lori. Uh, next up, we have Kathy. Do you want to unmute and ask? Lori, thanks, Mia. Um, in terms of the amends, um, when, we're, when we're working steps with sponsees or when somebody's working their, their steps, uh, what would you say about like how many amends? Because there's such a time frame. Sometimes it might take two years to get to some of the amends. They're all different ways. When can they move on to their step 10? Oh, I would say uh, when you make all the amends you can make right away and you have to wait to make some amends, they're on a, a, a cruise around the world and the, the, the internet's off or something, uh, then you're, you're, you've done all you can. If you've done all you can, you're on to 10, 11, and 12. I think you should do 10, 11, 12 as soon as you, as soon as you reach this point of feeling that the food is, is no longer an issue. And very often that'll happen halfway through step 10. You know, when, when Bill had a spiritual awakening, the way he describes it in Bill's story is it happened when he was making his list of amends. And I believe that that's because he was already making his amends to his wife, which were the biggest amends he had to make. He, if there was any amends that Bill owed, it was to the poor, long-suffering Lois. Um, and once he started to, to have this path of, of not drinking and of making up, he had, he had made the biggest amends he could possibly make within just in the, in, in, at the town's hospital before he got out of it. So I, I, don't think there, I don't think there's any rules here. You know, it's step 10 is being vigilant to make sure you don't build up any resentments or fears. Um, step 11 is, is, is having a, a daily practice of meditation and prayer. And step 12 is helping others. If you have the neutrality, you're ready to start sponsoring. I'll talk about that tomorrow. Does that help? Okay, thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Lori. Um, is it Inabel or Inabel? Um, I understand uh, you're waving. You want to ask a question? Unmute and ask a question. You have to unmute. There you go. You can do it. If you need help, I can help you here. Uh, here. 
I'm going to ask you to unmute. You can. Uh... You know how to unmute? Ah, there you are. Oh, okay. I'm 81 years old, and I have uh, amends to make to some people who were colleagues uh, 30 years ago uh, and who uh, are uh, probably in their late 70s or even up to well into their 80s now. Uh, I don't know if they're alive. Um, and I don't know how to find them. And um, how do you find people where you're just not quite sure that they live where they lived? Um, well, I, I mean, we have techniques these days that uh, make it easy to find some people, and that's the internet. You know, there's there's um, 411.com. You can look them up if you know what uh, town they're in. There's Facebook, which uh, which you could look them up to see if the people with their names are there. But you know what, Annabelle, if you do your best, you could phone someone, maybe a former colleague whom you do know, say, do you know where so-and-so is? To me, the issue is, do you, have you done the best you can? And once you've done the best you can, you, you're ready to make the amends, you just can't do it. And the big book says, as long as we're ready, if we can't make it, it doesn't matter. If we can't do it, but we're ready to do it, it doesn't matter. And the other thing is living amends, you could live a different life. And I assume you are living a different life. You regret what you did and you're, you're living a different life. And you're probably, you can probably even in talking to people, talk about the mistakes you've made in your life and the, and the, and the answers you found in a different way of living. And that's another way of making amends. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Thanks. Okay. Uh, I don't have any more hands raised, and I've moved everybody who's got a picture. So if they're waving, I will now see them. Anybody else have any questions for Lori or anything they want to ask? Well, it's. Oh, one. Yeah. Uh, Susan, do you want to uh, unmute? Yes. Yeah. Hey, Lori. Um, just out of curiosity, any suggestions for making amends to someone with dementia who no longer knows me? Whoa. No. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I would say that if they, you know, if, if they still are in some way, shape or form able to understand, but they don't know who you are, if they're completely in dementia, then, then I mean, I, the experience I've had with dementia is that it would not be of any great value and might even reawaken memories that are harmful. I don't know. Uh, and if that's the case, I wouldn't do it. I'd be ready to do it, but I wouldn't do it. And again, the amends may be to talk to their kids or talk to their grandkids or something like that. But yeah, uh, the whole concept, the big book is clear about this. Let me see if I can find it. Um, there may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. And it seems to me that covers it. We do our best. If we can't do it, we don't do it. Okay. Okay, thanks. All right, thank you, Susan. Thank you, Lori. Um, Amy, you had your hand up and you put it down. I saw the time and it's not, I, Thank you, Lori. I can ask, I can send you an email. All right. 
Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you all for, again for the opportunity for doing this. I'll see you as many of you as want to make it up uh, tomorrow at nine o'clock Eastern uh, Daylight Time, 10, 11, and 12. And uh, 